Welcome to another Booth Warmers episode. I'm Kevin. I'm Jay. And we haven't recorded in about two weeks, so a lot of things has happened since we recorded, which is kind of funny because me and Jay always talk about it. It's like, man, there ain't shit happening right now in sports. <laughs> and then the time that we do take off, everything happens. Yeah, every time that it doesn't matter what day it is, right after that day, all the news come in and then all the stuff that's happening around everything just starts coming in a lot. Yeah. So let's start off. Well, there's so much to talk about. Um, so we're kind of nitpicking what we should talk about because we're not trying to go over the top by talking about everything that happened in the past two weeks. Let's Since we always start off with basketball, let's start off with football. So football, the playoffs are starting. Um, let's go with the AFC. That's the first team. The first thing we should talk about. All right. What's your picks on that side of the NFL? For the AFC, I'm going to pick the Chiefs winning it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to bandwagon the Chiefs again. Um, there's a lot of good matchups here. Uh, let's, let's go off. Let's start off with the Bills and the Colts, since that's the second best team with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with the Bills winning that. I think the guy who should win it MVP, and I think the guy that I did predict to win MVP in like months ago is leading that team. And I just think that right now they're rolling and they're not unstoppable, but they have a good, like they're finishing off the season really strong. Yeah. And I think the Colts, on the other hand, as the opposite where they started off really hot their defense was like number one in the league at that time and then by the end of the season it seems like it's not that they were getting worse but at the same time they were losing more and then I think the offense was struggling a little bit maybe some injuries their running back Jonathan Taylor though is getting better so that's a good sign but I, I don't think they have enough weapons to um, get through the Bills for this round. Yeah, and the way that the Bills are playing is that they're playing with so much swagger. Like, all their players just swagger. have that swagger with them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Josh Allen is rolling at the perfect time. Him and Diggs have been connecting. And, and that's all it really takes, just them two and whoever else is there is just a an additional weapon their defense is playing really well and they beat pretty good teams and the teams that they beat were like demolished like it wasn't really close hmm. so are you saying then that Diggs won't need a miracle to get through the playoffs this year <laughs> well you gotta hit me where it hurts the most but yeah he wouldn't need a uh, sideline catch where a defender knocks off his own teammate and he books it for 40 yards to win the playoff game. He won't need to do that. This time he said around. his eyes was closed too, if that helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. We, I can't live in the past. Right. <laughs> so as that one was pretty easy because, you know, yeah. Uh, other than saying that the Bills are going to dominate them, watch the Colts demolish the Bills. Like it flips around, we'll like mm-hmm. we're laughing at ourselves. Uh, let's move on to a NFC North battle between the Steelers and the Browns. Uh, 
this is headlined by the Browns making the playoffs since before we were born, maybe right after we were born. Who knows? But it's been a while. But they had a whole COVID outbreak, which required Kevin Stefanski to be staying at home in quarantine, and the NFL won't allow him to coach. So with that being said, who do you think is going to win this matchup? Uh, I think the Steelers will win. They have experience, but then at the same time, they also have young players that don't have experience in the playoffs. I heard um, in the radio like earlier today and like the past couple of days, they're trying to compare this playoff birth by the Browns to LeBron winning for the city. Some fans are very happy that they finally made it because they've always been claiming that the city is like a a football city and not a basketball city. So the fact that they had to compare that, it's just like, it just shows how happy they are, even if it's not at the same level, but you know that the fans are happy. Yeah. So would you would they still still be disappointed if they lose in the first round, or will those fans be happy that they at least got to the playoffs? I think they'll still be disappointed. Diehard fans always um, are disappointed with their team losing. Doesn't matter how good or bad they are, this, which is I guess very one sided. But then at the same time, that's what makes the game fun, right? Yeah. And the fact that the Steelers aren't even a good team, like they are very beatable. If they were to lose, the Browns were to lose to this very beatable um, team that's very overrated, Right, it would hurt a lot more. Maybe as long as um, Juju don't dance on the logo, maybe maybe they'll have a chance to win. <laughs> that's the key to this game, Juju not dancing on the logo. With the next matchup, we should talk about the Titans and Ravens. That's a rematch of, let's say, I think it was a division game last year where mm-hmm. everyone thought that the Ravens were going to beat the Titans. Like Everyone everyone was like, oh, the Titans are going to make it. Yeah. And the Titans demolished the Ravens. That was the iconic um, where King Henry had pushed Earl Thomas to make it seem like Earl Thomas was blocking for him. Yeah, that was like one of the funniest moments I've ever seen, or most humiliating moment for a def- humiliating moment for a defender to have happened to him. Do you? Well, think... not 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 just a defender; it's a top defender too. Yeah, top defender who actually got cut by his team <laughs> later in the off season and was tr- getting in trouble doing some terrible things with his brother that we will not discuss because this is a. PG podcast, so we will not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> the way this is rolling, um, they're both evenly matched. But do you think who has like a higher upside as a team? Uh, we both would have to agree that the Ravens have yeah the higher the scarier potential. Do you think of the same? Yeah, I agree with you. The Ravens are coming out hot from the last few games too. I think. Lamar Jackson got injured a little bit earlier in the season. I think when he came back, he started to almost come back to MVP season, Lamar. But then at the same time, there was just some, like there were just passes that his receivers were dropping. So it might be him, it might be his teammates, but it seems like the past couple of games, they, they're figuring it out. 
what doesn't look good for the Ravens is that they're the Ravens team has even though they got Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngaku, that their run defense hasn't improved since last year. They're still, if not the same terrible run defense, and they're going against the number one rusher. So yeah. I think the outcome is going to be the same here. It's like the Titans know they have the formula to beat the Ravens like it's nothing. Like mm-hmm. We're just going to run it down your guys' throat, and good luck trying to stop it. You're not going to let Lamar get more... Uh, time to play like it's just he's just gonna be sitting on the bench and we're just gonna mm-hmm. beat you with a slow death but i think there might be a small difference from last year from this year is that the ravens actually have a couple running backs that they could use they're, they're not just a straight line straight down straight up and down running team anymore they, they can go horizontally with their rookie running back and maybe Lamar will improve his passing skills, so hopefully that pushes them to the top a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. Yeah. So moving on to the NFC side, let's talk about the Saints and the Bears. They had played an overtime game in the regular season where the Saints barely won, I think by off of a mm. field goal. Is this game going to be more of a blowout? What do you think the results going to be with the Saints and the Bears? Is it going to be in the snow? Do you know? No, because they're playing in New Orleans. So they're going to mm. be in the dome. Oh, uh, yeah. They're going to kill them. <laughs> I just think that Drew Brees playing in the snow, coming out of injury, might have some effect on them or even the team if they are playing in the snow with the Chicago defense that supposed to, supposedly is good. But if they're playing in the dome, and we, I think I saw today that Kamara is playing, and I, so I think it's going to be a landslide on that side. Yeah, but knowing the Saints have seen them in the playoffs, they always shit the bed. That's what happened against Minnesota last last year, where everyone thought, oh, the Saints got them, this is nothing, and then we lose to Minnesota. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. And like I said, like what I've been saying all podcasts is that I don't think we're even going to beat the Chiefs, nor less the Packers. So what's even the point of winning? Just call it a day already. Call it a season. Yeah, you've been saying that from the start. Like, it was so funny to me that you, you, you were telling them to tank basically all season long, and but then they were the first one to get a playoff spot. Or one of the first ones, at least. <laughs> it's like a complete opposite no, of what I you want hate, them to do. I, I, I jinxed it. I jinxed it. I, I reversed jinxed it. It's like, I talked, I slandered the shit out of them, and then they got in the playoffs. So I'm gonna keep slandering the shit out of them, so they can win the Super Bowl. It's like a 40 uh-huh. chess move that I'm doing. Right. <laughs> Seems to be working. Yeah, so. But <laughs> the thing with the Saints is that this is their only year. If they don't win it this time, it's Drew Brees is gonna retire, and they're gonna be a hundred million dollars over cap space. So. They better find a way. They're going to be tanking for a little bit longer once Drew Brees retires. Unless you get Watson next year. What are we going to trade him? The, I don't even know what to trade him. Like The Swiss Army knife? I, don't, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, the way I tweeted this. I was like, the Houston Texans need many position needs. I was like, why don't you trade the guy that can play many positions, right? Right. But they're... They're going to want a lot more. But who knows? I mean, they tra- traded DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. So maybe not. 
oh yeah yeah that's true they might even ask for like they might even say here's deshaun watson and three more first round picks like he's like go have some more here we go here's deshaun watson i'll help you pay for his contract (laughs) yeah as we move on to the next matchup, this is probably the most competitive matchup between the three um, NFC battles that are going on. This mm-hmm. is for the two NFC West rivals, the Seahawks and the Rams. This could be very close just because it's a rival game. Yeah. I mean, the last game was very close. So even no though they're winning with Jared Goff. Yeah. The last game was close, so I don't even know how they're going to pull this off without Jared Goff. But even with Jared Goff, it's still a question mark because he's been on and off, mostly oh, off yeah. all season long. Yeah, he, he's he been terrible. <laughs> I think most of their wins has came from the Rams rushing for 150 yards usually mm-hmm. or – their defense just balling out. But there's never been a time where, like, oh, hey, Jared Goff won this game. <laughs> I think that's the key, that if the Rams is able to at least slow down the Seahawks' offense, then they might have a chance to maybe pull it out. If, But it has to be, like, a run game. It has to be a slow game. It has to be, like, possession time game. There's no way that the Rams will outscore the Seahawks at this moment in time, at least. Yeah. Maybe two, three years ago or whatever, but this time I don't even know if Jared Goff's gonna be the one playing. They might have two quarterbacks that game. Who knows? Yeah, they could. But um if the Seahawks do lose this one, this has to be a very disappointing season for them. I thought like the way they started was everybody was all hyped up and if they lose to the Rams, that's very disappointing. Yeah. I won't be mad though, but very disappointing for them. Yeah. The next matchup looks like it's going to be a very lopsided matchup, but the way that the Washington football team is talking trash with Chase Young saying, I want home, <laughs> uh, there's something like weird about this game. Like, we know Tom Brady is going to kill these guys, like, mm-hmm. just because Chase Young said that. But the Washington defensive line is really good. It's like they really mean it. Like they are like they're not afraid of Tom Brady. And who knows? Like it's very unlikely that they're gonna do it, but if they do pull it off, would this be one of the biggest upsets of all time, even though it's a fourth seed versus a fifth seed in a wild card match? Yeah, of course. I mean, in the beginning we were calling the Buccaneers like the Avengers of the NFL. They're basically like getting all of this big name people to play for their team and the getting Antonio Brown was more weapons for them. But then at the same time, Washington is probably is actually the best team out of the division for a reason, you know. They suffered injuries all year long, even quarterback change. Maybe if they did if they were consistent on that end, maybe their record would have been better. But then I like that there's some um, backstory, like fight, feistiness in this matchup that they're not afraid of Tom Brady. So it makes it interesting at least to watch and it's not just going to be Tom Brady all the way through. Yeah. 
yeah, like if all they just need to do is pressure Tom Brady, like in history of Tom Brady's whole career, even though he is the GOAT, the undisputed GOAT right now, he has played significantly worse when he is getting pressured. Like mm-hmm. there's just no way. Like a lot of the times that they've lost in the playoffs, it was to a team that could develop so much pressure on him and wasn't giving him enough time in there. But the Bucks are actually have one of the best offensive line, and he has all his weapons. So unless Chase Young and Jonathan Allen, um, there's another one, Montez Sweat, if they all go God mode, uh, that's the only way they're winning. And Alex Smith has to go God mode too if he is playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he is? I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. But then at the same time, if but, that's the thing too, like during for the NFL – there's always like one team that would go like all their cylinders would be kicking at the same time and would upset someone. Yeah. This might be it. I'm hoping this is it. It would be <laughs> a pleasant thing to see that the Bucks lose in the first round. So as we finish off with this playoff talk, is there anything else you would like to say about the playoffs other than that you believe that the Chiefs will win? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm honestly surprised that we got to the playoffs from everything that's going on with COVID-related games being canceled, games being postponed, games being moved to another week. I'm surprised that they were able to do it in the timeline that they projected. I thought it was going to be delayed, but it's good that they're having it. Uh, And it's good that they kind of separated it out too, so... I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. And I think there was no way this season was going to get canceled because the NFL knows that if this season gets canceled, they can technically go bankrupt if because the revenue that they have to generate in a year mm-hmm. pay off all these people, it would cause lots of problems. So NFL was like, you look at you guys are going to play this season. I don't care if your whole team gets an outbreak. I don't care if you're going to take three bye weeks you're gonna play this season i don't care ironically if you get sent to the hospital for covid which most likely wouldn't happen to the nfl player but we see how covid is the nfl the nfl doesn't care about cte do you think they really care about covid so that's why i feel like there was no way like <laughs> there's no way out about it we we're like yeah Man, this season could be canceled but after like week five you're like okay this team is having an outbreak this team is tearing their acls um we're losing in fantasy in a horrible way. Yeah, there's no way they're canceling this shit. Hey, I won one league, so I'm okay. Let's not talk about that. Fantasy is over. Fantasy, fantasy is not real life, bro. Fantasy so for football is over. Not basketball. That's a yeah. whole different story right now. Let's finish off with this NFL talk, talking about MVP. So we have four candidates. We have Aaron Rodgers, who is balling out. I think his stats might be 37 touchdowns. Isn't it 40 plus and four? Oh, I'm totally off. I was thinking of Josh Allen's stat line. So Mm, it's 48 and five. Oh, damn. And Josh Allen's 37 and 10. And Pat Mahomes is probably... About the same as Aaron Rodgers. Let's see. So these are the three. The f- There's going to be four candidates that are going to go for MVP. 
obviously Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and Pat Mahomes, who has 38 touchdowns and six interceptions, which means Aaron Rodgers is still beating him statistically. Mm-hmm. And Derrick Henry, who is running for 2,000 yards. And in the beginning of the season, you did talk about Aaron Rodgers winning MVP. So how do you feel about it now? I feel good. I mean, I don't think anybody else that I know of at least predicted that. I don't think anybody else kind of saw that coming, but I guess just kind of knowing athlete standpoint where they drafted a backup court or a quarterback behind them when he's been asking for help this whole time. Maybe I just got lucky, but at the same time, he did show that he improved in some sort of way and his team is playing very well all year long. If maybe Devontae Adams didn't get hurt in the beginning, they probably would have had a better record and they probably, maybe his interceptions will go down to three. Who knows? But I think, I think he should win it. Pat, like the, who's the other two? Josh Allen having a great year. Uh, King Henry running over people, pushing people to the stands, having a great year as well. And I think we're seeing how Pat Mahomes is, is kind of getting that LeBron James effect where if his numbers are not like improving from last year, even though it's already great, people are not going to go for him. Yeah, they're having like that voter fatigue where it's just like mm-hmm. I'm tired of voting for him because we would vote for him all the time. Which is weird because he's like what only in that conversation for the past two years and he's still pretty much like one of the younger players out there, so it doesn't make sense that there's voters fatigue already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I want to say Pat Mahomes would win, but if you compare how, because if you think about it, Pat Mahomes also had kind of a bad year last year with his injury, mm-hmm. so he kind of statistically had a dip. Same with Aaron Rodgers, but they all they both spiked it up for this year. But I think what's like more impressive is that, yeah, we all thought that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be anything. Like, everybody was convinced. Was like, yeah, it's it's over for him. Like, sorry, Aaron. They drafted your quarterback. You didn't look good last year. Sorry, man. Have fun at a senior home retiring. <laughs> but he balled out. Like, simple, plain and simple as that. Like, he, he balled out. He didn't very smart. Like, barely had any terrible games. It was all really good games it's not like he threw all of his five interceptions in one game they were all decent every game he threw two against the buccaneers against tom brady which is a big loss for them yeah but they kind of have they got like like you said about tom brady if they get to him there's a chance that you might beat him but that was the only time but then at the same time i think his line was injured he has some injuries on his offensive line too, so that may be a concern. Yeah, uh, but I think I think they're gonna make Aaron Rodgers win. I think they like that story of like, oh hey, the guy who is about to hit forty. Well, it's like thirty-seven. Yeah, between that range, just like they yeah. like to have that as an MVP. Like, there's nothing more cool of a story than seeing. A guy who looks like he was out the door just comes back for and destroys everybody. So that's good that you predicted that right. 
one thing I predicted, right? Everything else is not so much. <laughs> so do you, do you feel like that was the guess or you were confident? I got to ask you that question. I, I don't think that was a guess on my end. I think from what I've read from stories and what I've heard from like um, reporters, like comparing his play on, on practice at that time when we started, and then I guess just seeing like he's getting some weapons back and even more experience that it's just like, like a calculation where everything just points pointing in that direction. Okay. Yeah. Well, looks like you're um, Nostradamus with this and predicting everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take credit for that one. Everything else, let's just forget about <laughs> All right, who's who's gonna win in the NBA championship? There we go. I'm gonna just start asking you questions. Start predicting. <laughs> the Lakers. Every every and, single year. And they're jinxed. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> hey, said that last year. They still won. So. Yeah. Or not even. Okay. Well, like I said, I guess it is last year. Last year yeah. now. So while we're here, we might as well just move on to the NBA talk as we finish off with the NFL. Um, mm -hmm. First thing to talk about NBA, let's talk about... There's so many to talk about. Let's talk about Kyrie, <laughs> what Kyrie did today. So Kyrie had... There's rumors saying that he simply didn't want to play. So mm -hmm. before we talk further about this, what was your initial reaction when he sim when the rumors were swirling that he just simply didn't want to play? I thought it was just out of nowhere. Especially coming from a couple games back where he missed that last shot and then everybody was criticizing him about how he said that he'd never played with anyone that could make a shot at the end of the games and that showed that it's not just him, like does every everybody else going through that problem. I thought he was just having like maybe an off day that he wanted to take like a day off just because he's going through so much, but after seeing what's transpiring after that, it makes it more of a conspiracy than an issue now. Yeah, totally. It's Kyrie, man. Got his, uh, not only his third eye open, but his fourth, fifth, and sixth eye open. Um, my initial reaction, which I kind of was just like, oh, he's just having a load management day. I think what kind of like caused, stir stirred more uh, was that when they asked Steve Nash, do you know where he's at? And Steve Nash was like, I have no idea. I tried calling him, and he's not answering. I thought that was really weird. That's what, like, like if he must have done either something either really happened to him or he really just, Kyrie's, like, being dramatic about something. Because if you're not going to at least tell your coach, that's kind of weird. Like, why would you not tell your coach? Like, why don't you just tell him, oh, something had happened personally, but it's like Steve Nash wasn't notified is kind of, like, the weird thing that I, I was like, what the hell? Like, why would you do that? It just reminded me of like back then, I think, wasn't it like Derrick Rose and the Knicks when everybody was just like, where's Derrick Rose? What happened? Like, where is he? Like, what's going on? Like, and nobody knows where he was. Like, oh, he. Yeah. So, we, like, we thought something had happened to him, like, literally, because nobody knew, if mm -hmm. I remember. Like, nobody really like tried to reach out. Like, nobody knows where he is, what happened. He just disappeared. And it just caused some concern. But, I, when I first saw that he was out and the coach or Steve Nash didn't know where he was, that's where I was kind of thinking about, like, is he going through something? <laughs> is is something going on that 
he doesn't want to talk about, especially on how he's been acting lately with the media and stuff. So is there something like going on personally? Yeah. Well, I think we won't find out either till tomorrow. And since Kyrie won't talk to the media, we will never find out. It's plain and simple <laughs> as that. Uh, yeah. As the day transcribed, though, or uh, as it went on, we discovered that even though the Sixers did win, Seth Curry tested positive in the first quarter. Tested positive in the first quarter. So it's kind of like what happened in the World Series where Justin Turner was already playing and they pulled him out in the sixth inning and they found out he was COVID. So with the way the NBA is going with this, how should they protect their players more? I mean, if I were the Nets, I would be pissed off that, like, well, I just shook hands and this guy's sweat got all over me that I was guarding in the first quarter. Yeah, that's. I think that's a major concern because that's very close contact for the players. Like, everything's close contact with basketball. I mean, I guess for football, sometimes they have helmets where there's a face guard maybe or something that sometimes you're not as close. But then for basketball, everyone's like sweating, moving around. And then, like I said, like no mask. So they're breathing the same air. So it might be a concern and it might result to an outbreak, especially on how COVID is spreading now outside of sports. It might be getting worse. So... The NBA has been good with treating and trying to figure out how to work around COVID, though. Like when somebody goes into close contact or somebody tested positive around that person, they, they it may immediately put them in quarantine. So yeah. hopefully that there's no outbreak. Yeah. They should just do what that college did where they were all playing with mask on. I forgot which college it was, but they looked hilarious. They just all had red masks. I think they were wearing red unis, and then they had mask on. It just looked funny to me. It would be so yeah, weird a player like that. But we've seen players, I, mean, I don't know, at least I've seen people on YouTube that play basketball but have masks on, but they're not even wearing it. They just wear it on their chin and stuff. So they, they might have it on them, but doesn't mean that they're going to use it properly. And it's hard too, you know, because like you're running, you're breathing, you're moving. Unless you're going to put your hand over your mask the whole time or hold it up, it's not going to stay there. Yeah. So I guess we can talk about a, not a possibility of an outbreak, but then I guess another player that I, we saw today, Michael Porter Jr., that already went through quarantine because of COVID got another quarantine like designated to him but just like it's just weird because if you're already on quarantine how are you gonna quarantine again does that mean that he wasn't doing it properly the first time like was he in contact with somebody else that had it so it's just a very weird situation yeah with his situation i am pretty sure <laughs> What happened yesterday, I saw him <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Pretty sure, without a mask. It's just joking aside with the serious topic, but yeah. Um, it just, I don't know, man. There's like no way, I think with these NBA players, there's like no way they can really quarantine. Like these guys love to party or be out. I, that, I think that's just the only way. Like we found out that you were out and um, with the strict rules 
We saw that you were out, so you have to quarantine some more. It's simple as that. I mean, it doesn't help that. Michael? Go ahead, Jen. Oh, with um, what I was thinking, like, what is the punishment with these NBA teams if they break the rule like that? Like, I've always wondered, like, with how this season is going, like, will they truthfully punish them? Or, like, what is, like, the possible fines? Like, will they lose a pick? Will they? I know it's mostly money, like, here mm-hmm. you get us five hundred thousand, but like, because like these guys can easily just break the rules like it's nothing, unless right. there's like something on the line, like big time. Yeah, I mean, okay, couple examples that we've already seen before. James Harden before training camp was out, and then he didn't get suspended. He didn't get. I mean, did he get fined? If he did, it's nothing. Not a big deal for him. And then I guess I, I another. He got fined, but he didn't get paid for the games he missed. Right. So it's mostly monetary, but then at the same time, like we've seen players, like for example, Malik Beasley, has a pending felony case on him, and it doesn't seem like the NBA knows what to do with that either. So it's a a very touch and go situation where everybody's just waiting on how bad it gets, I guess, but. <laughs> It's not like there's been a precedent of what to do, so it's also hard to decide besides monetary punishment. Yeah, because, like, for me, it's, like, what I think about, like, the whole liability of it is, like, let's say Michael Porter Jr. broke his quarantine, and he gets somebody that's older, like, let's say Mike Malone, let's say Mike Malone's very... He doesn't really have good health. Let's just say that. Tyrus. Hypothetically. Yeah. And what ha- what would happen if Mike Malone gets sick and something happens to him? Like, I, I want to know, like, I, I, I would, it's like the negative, like a pessimistic approach to how I'm thinking about this. But it's like, I just want to know, like, what would happen? Like, if something bad were to happen or somebody else gets sick, because there's a liability on somebody's issue. Is it the liability on the player? Or since they played the seasons, like, well, you can't put the liability on me because the season happened. So, like, I, that's what I'm, like, looking too deep into. Like, what could possibly happen? Well, I guess it just depends on that player, too. <laughs> that player's conscience, if they're going to put that on themselves. Because you don't know, like, we don't know how the players think, regardless. I mean, we kind of know, have, have an idea of how Michael Porter thinks specifically about the situation and stuff. But... It's just hard with, I mean, even though there's technology with contact tracing, it's not like you can just blame one person because that person probably got it from somebody else. They probably got it from somebody else. So are you just going to blame every single one in that line of tracing, you know? So there's not going to be one person, but it's just going to like maybe hurt. It's going to hurt for that, at least if it was like somebody that, you know, you should be feel, feeling some type of way if they got sick. Yeah. So, how, as we finish off this topic, will this NBA season ever get canceled with all the outbreaks or no? I don't think so. I mean, we already seen how extreme the NBA can get with rules and quarantine. They made the bubble happen. If it gets that severe, they'll probably go into another one maybe not the same way but some in that sort of uh type but 
I think they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, I, NBA makes too much money. It's like NFL. It's like there's no way they cannot have a season. It's just too much is on the line. It's as simple as that. I don't care if you win with G League players that's left over on your team. You're gonna play this game no matter what. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> there's a reason why New teams York have might actually have a chance of winning. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody like gets another team uh, sick with COVID, and the New York Knicks gets to the finals. That'd be crazy. <laughs> That's another conspiracy of yours. The Knicks are getting people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've become the new QAnon around here with this shit. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm kidding. What's another NBA topic we should talk about? Uh, I know you wanted to talk about the Wizards specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit. Um, let's just start with that, and then we'll move on to different teams, I guess. Um, so what I thought with the Wizards, I guess the big trade that happened during the offseason was John Wall for Russell Westbrook. I don't remember specifically if there was other players involved or other picks, but that trade was pretty much even, if you look at it. I even feel like that's kind of worse in a way because I feel like the chemistry that John Wall and Brad DeBeal built over the years is actually better and I think John Wall was kind of come back stronger this year I mean we kind of already see it in Houston that he improved some ways and then the dynamic when Russell Westbrook is playing on the floor it just looks like he's making his teammates their numbers worse than they would if they were, weren't playing with them at all. So that's a that's my concern for them. Do you, do you feel the same way, or yeah. do you think that there's a way that they can figure it out? They have the team to figure it out, like the guys to figure it out, but it's just weird because like we thought that they were going to be an eight seed, and they had a pretty easy... Uh, strength of schedule like their schedule was really easy who they were playing against and they're like they're like allowing 130 points per game mm-hmm. which is weird and like last year they were very competitive with some games and they were playing even though they didn't have as much firepower they were playing really well all together like now it just seems like they don't even defense isn't even a thing for them um to me the problem is scott brooks is coaching one and two, Westbrook, and three, the whole team with their defensive identity. Like, they just don't want to play defense, no matter what was being coached or what's game planned. It's like, I don't I don't know how to describe, like, their defense. It's just really bad. And they're getting killed on the fast break. They're getting killed on three-pointers. Like, um, Washington has allowed a lot of their shots to almost be, like, open, like, completely open. Like, no one's even mm-hmm. near them. So that's just bad. It's like you're just letting guys shoot out of the gym if they really wanted to. But if they can turn it around, that I don't know. Um, the East looks pretty tough right now. There's a lot of good teams and a lot of like, not really, there's not really like bad teams, but there's a lot of contenders, I would like to say, in the East. And that just makes it more difficult because what's the point of getting in the playoffs if you know you're just going to get destroyed by the top? But I think there's about five contending teams on there, five mm-hmm. or six. And yeah, uh, I don't. They could turn it around, but it, would it even matter? Who knows? Because East is really strong this year. 
Yeah, I guess to add on to the your side about the coaching thing, they need to stop doing that three guard lineup that I mentioned to you before. That Ishmith, uh, Raul Neto, and Westbrook on the three spot, and then having a shooter in the big. I think that's too small. Like, I watched the game with them playing against Zach Levine. Zach Levine was just basically jumping over Ishmet over Old Neto. But then at the same time, they're not contending. They're not really guarding anyone in the backcourt. So, and with no shot blocker besides maybe Bryant, that doesn't help their defensive scheme at all. And maybe that's why they're giving up 130 points each game. They don't even have, like, a guy, like, that's locked down. Like, every good team has a guy that says, you're the lockdown defender. And even some teams have a guy that's a lockdown defender. Like, it's, there might not even be a guy there that can actually shut somebody down on that team, which is not a good sign at all. Like, if you don't have a guy that – I thought Rui is going to improve defensively, but he hasn't improved defensively either. Mm-hmm. And the thing with becoming, like, a lockdown defender is that – as you are as good as a lockdown defender you are, it won't matter if your team is allowing points or allowing people to score. So it's it's honestly a team thing. Like they have to at least look like they're doing something, and then that's the problem. They look like they're not doing anything defensively. Yeah, that's true. I mean, hopefully they can turn it around because Bradley Beal is an exciting scorer. He just had sixty points last game. I thought he was going to go for 80, but I think he, he just yeah. got tired. And they said, like, there was a couple of bad passes from Westbrook that would have helped him. And it's just bad defensively, and it doesn't help him on that side of the ball. So hopefully they get better. Yeah. I think for me, like, one of their big issues on offense is that they have two guards that, like, attacking the rim a lot. And their playmaking is – disguised as like i'm gonna attack the rim and i'm gonna kick it out so you either make the shot or you don't and i'm gonna stay under this rim or they don't get back on defense because they but there's they go full on sprint and then they throw it to the side and they're hoping thomas bryant or uh Rui or um bertans makes it and they don't they're in a bad spot because the, the last line of defense is the guy who's shooting the three-pointer and the other guy's already running onto the other side yeah especially like houston rockets James Harden kick out type of offense. Yeah. And it doesn't help that Russell Westbrook's resting games in the beginning. So it's that not helping with the chemistry with a brand new team. Yeah. And a big issue with it too is the way Russell Westbrook attacks the rim is that he's kind of just throwing it off the backboard and hoping it goes in while Harden is very like smooth with it. Like he can either do a step back, fade away, teardrop, he doesn't have to like go extra hard on it, and then he's at the baseline. Well, mm-hmm. While Russell Westbrook is that he's going at forty miles per hour and trying to lay it in, and he misses it, and now he's in the baseline, and everybody's running across. It's not even in the baseline; he's behind the backboard. He's behind the court. <laughs> he's outside. He's in the he's he's in the locker room, basically. <laughs> let's discuss. Let's discuss more about the East. Um, the Toronto Raptors, they look horrendous. They're one in six. Yeah. Horrible. They have, yeah, they're one in six. What do you think is wrong with their team? I mean, they look fine to me. It's just, I think it's more of a Siakam issue, but I don't think that's 
so big of an issue. So I just want to hear your opinion before I say mine. Maybe, I mean, Van Vliet just got paid. Siakam is supposed to be their upcoming superstar, right? So maybe they're trying to give the keys to people to the players that maybe are not ready, sort of ready for it yet, so they can get their numbers. Because last year, we can see that even though they lost Kawhi, right, they were playing well as a team, as a unit. Granted, they lost two big men that they had, but then at the same time, their offense, like, flows really well altogether. So maybe they just need to get back to that. Do you see the same thing, or do you have other opinions? To me, I can't blame Siakam. I think it's really them losing two elite bigs that have two styles that are very complement to an offense. One you have, so these two bigs are really good defenders and have a great offensive game. One can hit jump shots. One can, uh, they both can hit jump shots. One can rim run and all that. Defensively, they have two different styles. One's like a center block of a, de- a center. One can shot block and i think that's what caused like um a huge like defensive identity and offensive identity for the raptors because you're replacing the two guys that can do almost if you if they do like a fusion dance and combine together you would have the perfect big man a big man who can shoot block uh pass everything so So ad then and you're replacing them yeah kind of like ad but can pass way better but (laughs) if you take that guy out those two guys and you replace them with Aaron Baines who's shooting who's building a house in Toronto where <laughs> he's gonna live at because there's so many bricks that he's been throwing up and he's not that great of a defender and you ask Alex Len you get Alex Len and he's not doing good either and Chris Boucher Boucher, Boucher. I don't know Boucher. he's not that good either. yeah <laughs> Boucher yeah and that puts a lot of pressure on Siakam to be everything that Gasol and Ibaka was. Yeah. And if you see, he's getting so frustrated offensively. He's getting so frustrated defensively where he's fouling out every game almost. And when you know that your two guards are undersized, if you think about it, they're really undersized, and the guys behind you aren't that good of a defender, it's just showing that we might not be a good defensive team this year. It's sad mm-hmm. to see. And it just sucks because the East are – they have really good teams this year, actually, like from top down before it was just like a top four, top five. But now we see that there's upcoming teams that are fighting for playoff spots now, or it's too early to say, but some teams are playing well. Yeah. Uh, well, do you, do you think they're going to get out of this slump or it's going to be tough? I think they'll figure it out eventually because they do have a good coach. They do have yeah. good players that like you the problem is they're big, but most of the teams play small anyways, so I think they'll figure it out somehow. They're not going to be as good, maybe, but they're still going to be able to beat some teams. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Hypothetically, is it a mental game to them because they're playing in Tampa, where they're not getting to stay in their own house and they're not with their family in Canada? I mean, it's possible, but they already went through the bubble, so... Yeah. It's not something new to them anymore. And it's not I, like... I'm kind of looking too deep. <laughs> I'm looking too deep into it because I think um, the fact that you have to go through... Uh, oh, what's it called in the airport? When you're TSA? Going to a different country? 
yeah, T or yeah, TSA, right? You have to go through and then immigration in another country. Yeah, and a lot of teams, a lot of players were so pissed when they had to play in Toronto because of that reasoning. Like, right. imagine just coming to Toronto and you're already in a bad mood. <laughs> now you just go to Tampa and it's like not that bad. <laughs> So you think it's not that the Raptors are sucking. Maybe the other teams are just better because they don't have to go through immigration. <laughs> it's, a, it's a significant equal amount of both. So it, it, are you saying that the Raptors' advantage back then is the immigration TSA as if like they are playing at Denver with a mile high with the altitude thing? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly is what it is. That's, That's exactly fine. what I'm gonna say. <laughs> it, but like, if you think about it, it, it makes sense be, though. That could be a good reason, right? Like, yeah, like, especially if it's something that it's, say that teams come in the day before or the day of the game, then it makes a difference. Yeah. Because sleep wise, stress wise, I mean, NBA players are millionaires. They don't want to go through that. Yeah. And also their their team, they're stuck with this team unless they trade somebody because they just gave big contracts to Van Vliet and OG and Siakam. Yeah. So it's like, who? What can we really build off of this? If that's it. Like Siakam doesn't look like a superstar of what we assumed him to be. You were high on OG Van this Vliet, year. OG, they were high on him too, but like they're not all stars. If you think about it, they're not. And it's like the, the, the rap. It's kind of weird because it's like, yeah, we built a foundation of a team, but it's not like our foundation is like the Celtics, where we have Tatum and Brown, or it's not mm -hmm. like the Heat, where we have Jimmy Hero, uh, Tyler, Duncan. and Hero yeah, and Duncan Tyler. And, that's um, that's two different people. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. I, was, I don't know why I, I'm getting the two white guys confused. Right. Um, out of bio. That's what I was like. Just call him Bam. It's like I would take those, yeah. It's like I would take those cores over the Toronto Raptors core. So it's like I don't know. They have to do. Would they trade for James Harden? Who knows? Maybe. But Maybe. I don't think so. That's the only guy that can be tradable right now. And Maybe. he would be if you trade Siakam to, for Harden. That's actually decent. Like you could find a way that would that would help out both sides. But it still doesn't help Toronto's side that they need a big two. So. It's like yeah. trading you. If anything, you're one less big than you were before. So yeah. maybe Van Vliet. I, I think they were hoping yeah. that uh, J, um, OG would become like a Jalen Brown type of player. Yeah. He, he looks good, but yeah. Jalen Brown looks like another level of a player. It's like another all-star that they have in Boston, which is scary because they're both yeah. like early 20s. They're both younger than this, Kevin. They make millions. Yeah. What are we doing? Oh, God. I don't like this. I don't like I don't like talking about this. That a guy makes what I make in a year is what they make in a day. <laughs> or not even. It's like uh, it's like what we what we will shift, make in shift. our lifetime they will make in a year. Yeah. Not, maybe they not even sleeping, they close. Just made more money. Yeah. Like when I, I think about when uh, Harden turned away how much million on his extension? I forgot. Hundred million? It was super max. Yeah, so it's like just thinking about that, like, holy crap, this guy just turned it away because he hated Houston that much. 
and it's like wow that's crazy uh yeah that's that's some crazy stuff thinking about i think back then when we were younger like we were in school and stuff we were like oh yeah they're they're older like we don't really see it like that but then now we're like older than them or like in the same age i'm like damn talk about it man that's such a it's just a 26 it's a different life (laughs) yeah let's talk about let's talk about somebody who's way younger than us and (laughs) is in the top of the world let's talk about luca luca's junior year or luca's luca's year if you think about and he is yeah he's he's i don't know like we were saying that he might be mvp candidate how do you feel about his season so far but i mean also this is without porzingis so how do you feel about it right well in the beginning of the season the coach already came out that Luca's not in shape, that he'll get in shape eventually. I mean, he said that himself too, that he's still trying to like get into that NBA type of shape. I mean, it, I think it's some sort of acceptable, acceptable just because like everybody had a short off season and he's also younger. So it's probably easier for him to get in shape rather than other players. But he is in a slump, like he's struggling to play how he, like he, how he did last year. But maybe from looking at his numbers today, which is almost like a triple-double, 38 points, 9 rebounds, 13 assists with 4 steals, maybe he's getting back there yeah. soon, sooner than, than later. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because we think he's on a slump, but he's still averaging 26 points per game. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> holy crap. Uh, I think what's bothering us more is that their record as a team and mm-hmm. the fact that he's shooting 19% from three. It's, it's like horrible weird to us. Oh yeah, it's very horrible, and it's yeah, it's like it's hard to say that he's on a slump, but I think what we thought of Luca is that he's gonna be like in the thirty-five range. Do you think he was gonna be in that thirty-five range the way this season? The way he played in the bubble because without forcing is, I thought he was. Yeah, I I didn't think so be like because range. because like there's no other person that would take off the pressure off of him like everybody would be focusing on him on him by himself like he could have i think he would average more when Przingis is here because it would open up the floor a little bit more for him he would have yeah. probably had bigger days where he's just making everything but just because you go into a slump that's why his number is a little bit low low as in it could be better for him just because of how good he is, but it's already above average for an NBA player. Oh yeah, I think we have to instead of look at look at Luca, is look at the team. Um, it seems like they're missing Seth Curry really badly, and that yeah. trade that they did for Josh Richardson isn't really working out. Like as good as. As helpful Josh Richardson was going to be because of his defense, even though it's not that good. Having knowing that there's a knockdown shooter like any day of the week is, I just feel like that's better for an offense. Knowing that there's a guy that can make a shot rather than prioritizing defense is what they were trying to do. Yeah, maybe they should have just gotten another shooter without having to trade Curry or another playmaker, a defensive yeah. player. But, I mean, we already see what Curry brings to the table with 
the Sixers, like he's helping them a lot. I think they miss JJ Redick when they let him leave. So now they realize that. So they got another shooter to fill that spot and it helps them tremendously. How dare you disrespect Danny Green like that? He's a way better shooter than Seth. Oh, that's true. <laughs> He's a three three time, four time champion. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah. Who who would you rather have, Josh Richardson or Seth Curry? I'm simply going with Seth Curry. I like Josh Richardson. I mean, I I, I was one of the ones that said, "Oh, this could be good for." Um, the Mavs just because he's sort of a two-way player and maybe has a little bit more playmaking type to take away the pressure off of Luca, but it's not like I guess transpiring the way that maybe the Mavs saw it, I saw it, but that's just because Porzingis is not there. But I still yeah. think that they need some help coming off the bench. Yeah, and it's well that that's kind of true because statistically. Josh Richardson is doing better than Seth, Seth Curry. Seth is averaging about 13.6, while Josh is averaging almost 15. While having more assists than Seth, while having more rebounds and more steals and more blocks. <laughs> so even if it's funny that we like, it's like weird because like you have to look at basketball deeper to see like the impact of Seth Curry. But mm-hmm. if you look straight up on stats, Josh Richardson is better significantly what he does all around. Because mm-hmm. he has the ball in his hand, yeah. Seth, Seth Curry has to run around, pin downs, and go through screens and run around and get open before he can get yeah. shot. See, so I, let me ask this question then: Is it would you rather have guard Josh Richardson? Or would you rather play against Josh Richardson or play against Seth Curry? I would rather play against. Like, oh, you go first then. What, what do you think? I think I'd rather play against Josh Richardson. I think there's something about knowing a guy who can go off for five threes is more scarier than a guy who can athletically beat me. Like, because Josh Richardson is obviously athletic, more athletic than Seth. But knowing a guy that's just running in circles, going through screens, I feel like I'm going to have a bad day. Like, that that would annoy me. Simple as that. Having to chase him around. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going the other way. I'd rather play against Seth Curry because... I already know that he's a he's a shooter, so it's not gonna bother me if he's gonna make a lot on me. I'm just gonna if I was an NBA player, I'll just like basically punish him on the other end. Like if you get your points, I'll get mine, and I'll just get it, get you back that way. Because yeah. he is a shooter, so there's not not much you can do when he he makes the shots because that's what he does. Like that's what he do. He's a Curry for <laughs> exactly <laughs> literally. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about with NBA? Like any last topics? Mm, well, should we talk about the teams that we are kind of disappointed in, surprised with? I mean, you mentioned talking about the Pelicans a little bit on how interesting their stats are right now. Yeah. As much as I want to talk about the Pelicans, because they're like middle of the pack. Like they are disappointing but they're also like hey they actually look good type of thing for me it's the nuggets that i want to talk about how Mm. they look completely different like how they are compared to the bubble and last season and we know what's the core issue with the nuggets 
and it's them losing one of their defenders in Jeremy Grant. And is the Nuggets, would they finish top four in the West? Do you think they can turn it around? I think they'll eventually figure it out. I honestly think that they still need to figure out who their lineup is going to be because right now it seems like they're playing everyone just so everybody will be happy and get their minutes. But as we saw in the bubble, like they stuck to like a certain number of people. Granted, there were players that were out in the beginning, so it kind of helped them a little bit where they had to stick with the same type, same people. Mm-hmm. And that like basically creates consistency with them. And now it seems like they're just, besides Jokic and Murray, of course, that they're trying to figure out who fits best with them. And then what happened in the beginning of the season that I kind of mentioned is that Barton and MPJ, they don't know at least who's going to start over the two. Like Barton wants to start because he has experience. MPJ, the, MPJ is one of the, like basically one of the rising stars. So like, I guess it just depends on who you want to go with, right? Yeah. And also with MPJ, the whole debate about having people step up, we have to talk about like the people who stepped down as in like getting, they lost or aren't what we expected them to play. Like Jamal Murray, he's stepping mm-hmm. down as a player from what we thought he was going to be that 28 to almost 30 points per game, like how he was in a bubble. And he looks significantly worse. Well, not significantly, but decent. Like, it's kind of like, eh, he looks all right. And losing not only Jeremy Graham, but Miles Plumley. Is that the right Plumley? Ma- yeah. Mason. Wait. Mason Plumley, right? Yeah. And it's like, Mason, Mason Plumley has like a different style of how Jokic is. Like, he can play more defense, but he can also pass like Jokic. Well, he can't pass like Jokic. Jokic is something else. But he can pass. It's as simple as it gets. Yeah. And you're asking like Jamichael Green to replace him. And I don't even know who's their backup center. Hardenstein? Something Hardenstein? Uh, yeah. Was he the one from the rock- Rockets before? Yeah, he was on the Rockets. And it's like you're asking Jamichael Green and that guy to replace what Jeremy Grant and uh, Mason Pony provided. That's not going to look good for you. Look, at, then, look at this stat line. If you were to think Jeremy Grant and do you think Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley are good shot blockers? Like I think so. Team? I mean, yeah. yeah, like Grant was one of the best shot blockers even when he was in OKC, and he was not even starting at that team. Okay, so let me ask you this: Who is leading in steals per game for the Nuggets? Hmm. MPJ. Let me and then let me ask you this: Who is leading in blocks in the Nuggets? Hmm. Let's just go with MPJ too. Both are incorrect. <laughs> Jokic is leading steals with one point four, and the blocks you're gonna laugh at this. PJ Dozier at point nine. <laughs> wow, point so nine. That when you don't have guys that can produce steals and blocks and the fact that two guys that you aren't expecting at all to to do it that's kind of bad (laughs) that's kind of bad like i would have thought like freaking um i'm just totally forgetting his name harris uh harris gary harris yeah gary harris would lead in steals at least he was one of the league leaders back then before he got hurt 
And I would have thought like MPJ is leading in blocks because he's lengthy. He's supposed to replace what Jeremy Grant is supposed to do. Yeah. And the fact that two guys that you didn't expect is kind of funny. Yeah. I, honestly, I was just hoping that it was him because he he's in my teams. Yeah. <laughs> So since we were talking about a team that was very underwhelming, what is let's go with the polar opposite. Who's a team that looks really good that we were not, not expecting? New York Knicks. New York Knicks? Yeah. I mean, numbers wise they're like pretty good. I mean, they're still in the East, but then I think they're playing well as a team. Mm-hmm. I kinda as I think they lost like two or three games recently, but mm. seeing the Hawks do really well, yeah, is kind of interesting. I like seeing that. But they do have a lot of, they do have a lot of good players too. I mean, they added Bogdanovich, and they have multiple bigs that they can play. So they they have a team that's capable. I guess yeah. looking at the standings, I'm very surprised that. Orlando is six and two and on the top of the East right now. And they lost Marco Fultz too, so Shoo. that yeah, their six and two might look two and six in the next eight games. Oh yeah. I mean they started off who did they because in the beginning they were playing the same teams over and over again. Were they playing the Wizards or someone? They were playing the Wizards, yeah. They were playing, <laughs> playing good teams as well. Exactly. So it's just, it's kind of inflated. That's why I was surprised. But I guess on the West, the six six and two is the Phoenix Suns. Are you surprised at all by that? No, I I think they had um, their team is well built and well coached, and like they they're um, they're bought into a culture and a system, which like it's usually looks good once everything clicks together like that's what gets you guys to click together if you guys are all bought in and they got good free agents and all that so they said i'm not shocked by that what do you know honestly what team is actually shocking me a a lot Mm. indiana pacers pacers look good but they got sabonis back that's that's huge for them that's why like they missed them in the bubble but like, remember how we were talking about the coach hiring, and when we found out the Indiana Pacers were hiring somebody, we we're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And like yeah. to this day, I'm like, "Who the hell is coaching them?" I know it's Nick Nurse's assistant. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, honestly, I can't even think of the name. Like John Doe, I'm just put like two names together. <laughs> John Doe, Ringleberry, I don't know. John <laughs> Smith. I, yeah, and I'm impressed by that. That looks pretty good. The way they're playing. I mean, Brogdon's playing very, very well. I mean, they're getting Sabonis back, All-Star. I mean, they still have Oladipo. Miles Turner is also playing well. So if you look at their team, they're built from backcourt to frontcourt. Like, they have all the pieces they need to contend in the East, and they're also a good defensive team, which helps a lot. They're defensive. Like, if you think about Brogdon, it's also what, a defensive player, known defensive player. Oladipo is one of those players. And then they got Miles Turner, which is like the league leaders in shot blocks right now. So oh, yeah. I won't Kenny's keep... hitting threes. Yeah. That, that's huge for them. Um, let's see. Yeah. They, they, look, they look very well disciplined, is what I like to say, too. Like the way they're coached. 
Mm-hmm. And it looks like, yeah, this guy, like, is a Nick Nurse, um, his assistant. I'm going to look it up. I feel disrespectful not even mentioning the coach's name. Coach, coach, coach. Damn it, I can't say his last name. This is awkward. Nate Jorgren. Jorgren. Jorgen? <laughs> Jorgen? Because it's B-J-O-R-G-R-E-N. Coach Snake. I need to take English class again. Let's just, okay, maybe to make it up, to make it up to him, just just say that he's in the top running for Coach of the Year. Yeah. (laughs) And they're the number three seed. Pretty good stuff. Uh, Pacers team. Okay, are you surprised at all about how the uh, Warriors are playing? That's tough because they have won games off of Steph being going nuclear most of the time. But it's like, who has stepped up for them other than Draymond Green? All of their wins is requiring Steph to go god mode almost. And it's like, yeah. is that sustainable almost? Yeah. But it's like, that's what we talked about. Like, the only way for them getting the playoffs is Steph going god mode. Right. And yeah. if you see how he gets played sometimes by like certain teams, like there can be days where he doesn't have the opportunity to go God mode, like we're expecting yeah. him to be. Everyone's basically like blitzing him every single time. Yeah. Like, it looks like he's going to get tired out there. <laughs> yeah, he is. And it's like, who do you trust to ball out other than stuff? It's like, you're expecting Wiggins? You're expecting Ubre? I, um, I think, I hope Ubre comes into like how he was with Phoenix, like when before he got injured, because he does have that potential. I think he's just missing shots right now, but yeah. it's just hard with that offense of how it's he's not a shooter shooter like how Clay was, so it's hard for him to get his shots. Yeah, and which is kind of funny. Guess how much. Ranking-wise, guess the points per game of Kelly Uber where he ranks. He's like the second best, third best, all that stuff. Where do you think he's at? Within the team? Mm-hmm. Second? Nope. Third? Nope. Ooh, that's horrible. <laughs> he's the fifth. <laughs> well, Curry, Wiseman. Wiggins, Wiseman. Who's the Pascal. fourth? Really? Yeah. 29.6 from Steph. 17.8 from Wiggs, 11.8 from Pascal, 11.3 from Wiseman, and Kelly Oubre scoring 10.5, and he has the third highest minutes right after Steph and Wiggins. And he's shooting like 15 shots a game. I think his average is like 20% right now. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> his, his is bad. And then if you look at his player efficiency rating, don't look at his player efficiency rating. It's so bad. Oh my god. Guess where he's at in the player efficiency ranking in the team. Eight. He's bottom two. Oh shit. Out of fifteen? <laughs> yeah. He's in bottom two with Nico Mannion. Him and Nico Mannion. <laughs> Nico Mannion's not even playing this. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it is. Wanamaker's playing better. Scott Anderson is playing better. Baysmore, Poole, Marquise Chris Wiseman, Michael Mulder, Damian Lee, Kevin Kevon Looney. You mean Damian Lee Curry? 
Damian Lee Curry, yeah. Uh, brother-in-law step. <laughs> Splash step brother. Step. Splash brother-in-law. In-law. In-law. <laughs> They can they can still make the playoffs. It's like every team is starting off slow, so it's like if you can all just click right. Yeah. It's just I don't know. If it's just at, at least they're getting some. Like at least they're getting some wins. So. Yeah. But because if they didn't, they, they bad would. Bad on the first two. Yeah. Like, the way they were playing, they looked bad. They lost the like a total of like what um fifty sixty points for those two games. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they, I don't even want to look at the scores right now. They look terrible. Uh, do you want to move on from the Warriors? Because I feel like we sh- we're going to invest too much time in this team. Like how the NBA was invest, Everybody on Twitter was uh, invested in them. Yeah, let's uh, move on. What do you want to finish off with, with our topic? Let's, let's, let's start off. I don't want to fi- like I say, let's finish off with a bang. There's nothing really like bang moment with sports right now. Well, do you have anything that you want to talk about? No, I think that uh, I can't think of anything anymore. Andy. I mean, we talked about most of the major topics. I mean, yeah. Yeah, surprisingly, we, we didn't talk about our team that much. But uh, it's, it's hard to dictate the Lakers right now. It's like, I don't want to dictate them. Mm-hmm. It's just like the way they're playing isn't like judgeable. Like, yeah, how they're coming it's... out. Like, so it's like, I don't want to know what to say about them other than. They need to play harder. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, yeah, at least we're not. I don't know, because you know how some fans sometimes go above and beyond to just like hype up their team and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to decide. And then, I guess, I don't know. You want to talk about other things other than basketball? Twitter beef. Yes. Yeah. Twitter beef. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's go to next ten minutes because we don't want this to drag on too long. Let's do current events. Let's see. How is your 2021 going? Or we want to finish this podcast. It's been crazy. Crazy start. I mean, today is what? Recording on the 7th. The um, some people just stormed the Capitol Hill yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you just have to, I guess, not even just stop what you're doing, but at least, like, think about what's going on out there more than what's going on with yourself. Yeah. And I think as we are, both of us are getting older. It, it seems like we're both getting more involved with what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. It's, it's been an ongoing issue. And then from then, like we've seen the major difference of how those people were treated compared to I guess the Black Lives Matter movement that's been happening since last year and it's pretty apparent of the difference that we saw yeah it's as simple as it gets it's like it's unfair with everything that's going on and it sucks that we see how unfair um, we are being treated everybody well yeah like the way it is and I don't know it's like you, it makes you wonder like would this is this the world that we want to bring a child into and th- that's what makes me think it's like the way this how the world is going it's like it's not looking too optimistic and it's scary 
mm-hmm. and and it's unfair and it's mysterious like we don't know what's on the other side because we always think like the grass is greener on the other side right and then just more it's just more darkness there's more stuff crappy things happening and it's like when will it ever get good will it still just get worse before it gets good and that's what's scary because like and you see like how these people are like people are behaving like savages and it's like what could what more could happen in the coming up days if people are acting like this and it's like what it's like we see the true light of human beings and it's scary i mean yeah i mean it all started from before the election during the election a little bit after i mean it kind of died down a little bit during the holidays i think everybody went on their own but this like just latest event that went on i think it just shows how undivided or divided still is the people in the united states are like we are not the united states of america yeah it's it's crazy to think um it's just horrible to see it like I think Shannon Sharp today said that something along the lines where you we all saw how the police and basically people with authority treated the people that were at the Capitol yesterday. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is that we're not like they're not asking the police or whoever to treat the people there at the capitol like how they were treated but they're asking for the police or people in authority to treat shannon sharp and the rest of i guess the minorities that are being better yeah Yeah. so that's what is like you can see how two different things could be seen in whichever side you are on like people are not even asking for a lot people are just asking for it to be equal, to be fair. It's as simple yeah. as like, we just want to be treated better. And we were expecting this too, remember? Like we were saying that like, no matter the outcome of this election, somebody's going to be pissed, no matter what. And that's how it is. Like, the Trump supporters are pissed, and now since they behave like that, us, um, whoever supported Biden, are pissed. It's like, we're all just going to be pissed. It sucks. Mm. Yeah, everyone's going to be pissed at what the other side is doing. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Um, let's let's finish off this podcast with a positive tone. So before we finish this off, as we go down, dwindling to the last few minutes, what's something positive or optimistic that you're looking for? Or what's at least a good start to this year to you? Honestly, for me, <laughs> I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, it's just a weird. I mean, it just feels like personally that 2020 is still 2020 right now. It's just still going on from last year. Like nothing really changed. I mean, I am a very like optimistic person. If you, you would say like I'm hoping that things would get better everywhere for myself, for everyone like around me. I guess positive thing for myself is that everyone that I care about everyone that's around me right now is healthy 
everyone is doing their best to basically stay healthy, at least most of them. And then I think that's what I'm at least grateful for for the beginning of this year, knowing that we're still going through a very horrible pandemic. Then, so how about you, Kevin? Any any more positive news from your side? You kind of like took the words out of my mouth because that was the same thing that I was going to say, that I'm optimistic because I'm grateful that we're all still here. And that's all that really matters, that we're all here. And we're all trying to fight for change and survive. And not many people get that opportunity. So I'm glad and I'm grateful that it's as simple as this, that we are still here and we're still fighting. So that makes me optimistic, at least. And that makes me feel good. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me of how I feel about this year. Like, I want to say 2020 was a shitty year. Like, don't get me wrong, it was a shitty year. But I'm still grateful for it happening. Like, it, there's stuff that is like, you know, we, we might never get that chance of having, like, to me, I'm happy that I got to be able to work from home. Because this isn't... You can't say the same because you worked in the office, but I'm glad that I was like, I got to spend time with my family at home and who knows, maybe I might never ever experience this again. And as it is like something, the situation is bad. There is a positive to everything. There's a silver lining in everything. And I'm just grateful for all the silver linings that did happen. Yeah. I mean, I think last year, like a lot of people, at least I know for myself, like there was a lot of like self-reflection on things, like all of those things that we always say that we don't have time to do this. We don't have, like, we always have to need, we need to do something else besides this. Like we, it gave us time to like really think about what we need for ourselves and not even for ourselves. It's like, we realize who the people that we should be surrounding ourselves with, you know? And then I think that's a big thing because like there's a lot of people that you go through through your lifetime, you meet that you don't know what their true like agendas are. Like you might just meet them and think that everything's all good. But then when things get, I guess when things get hard, that's when you find out like who they really are, you know? And I think uh, us, us all going through like a pandemic and as going through this whole even this whole election thing you'll see like i guess people's true colors mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's a pretty it's just crazy how it feels like i think like one of the jokes is like 2020 was just a preseason and 2021 is now the regular season so it's like that's what it feels like like it's a terrible start so far. Yeah, well, it's for as a society, it's a terrible start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we just we. I think it's just the concern of uncertainty still. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. Like before, when things were normal, like we always know, like oh, at this time it's gonna be like this, next time it's gonna be like that. But now, like we're all like just sitting and waiting, hoping for things to get better because. We can only do our part. You know, you can only do your part. It's hard to like do everything at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know what else to add. I think that. No, I think that's all. I think that's yeah. what we have so far. I just wish everyone to be safe. I wish you and your family there stay safe. And that's all we can ask for. Yeah. I wish the same for everybody else. It's difficult times still. And who knows, there might be more difficult times. Um, just hope for the best. Do whatever you can to take care of yourself, take care of the people you love. And that's all you can really do. And um, don't be upset at yourself if you can't do something because there's multiple ways that you can do something. And as it is, it is important to take care of others. It is also important to take care of yourself. So if don't beat yourself up, if you can't do something, because as long as you wake up another day tomorrow, you have the opportunity to do something. So as simple as that. And I think that concludes this episode of Booth Formers. My name is Jay. And my name is Kevin. And I hope everybody has a good night and a good start to 2021. See y'all next time. See y'all next time. Bye.